he wasn't on the line anymore and he was just was upset. Shout out to Ramsgate with two two So we could have we probably milk we're both milk at the same time. Scope! I'm gonna DJ, I'm gonna DJ. Not really out of what we call scientific. Wow. Pretty much everything we saw, what happened? What's good, man? You have to be there, you have to be here in a week. There's a cut off for like an afterlife. Hi, guys, welcome back. This is episode 23 of the Reupload podcast, and we have a, a legend in the game. Um, the guy actually taught me how to play basketball, funnily enough. Um, Bruce Bolden. From he played for the Kings, played for um, Western Sydney Razorbacks, and he is the creator and founder of My Hoops Academy. So, go by My Hoops Academy. My Hoops Academy, My Hoops Basketball. It's, My it's, Hoops. The, it's the same. It's about you know um, skills and, and the fundamentals. So, you want to quickly tell everybody something um, about yourself? You know, if they don't know who Bruce Bolden is, that they don't know. Um, yeah. I don't know. I, I, I'm just uh, someone who, um, you know, grew up, you know, wanting to play at the highest level. Obviously, it was the NBA, um, you know, and that that path took me from my from my hometown of Flint, Michigan to to Boise State, to Europe and um, to Australia, uh, because unfortunately, my skill level wasn't at that at that you know, that place where I could be, um, you know, drafted or participate in the A, but um, the path, the, the passion was still there. So I just continue on with, with playing and and work my way to where um, I end up with a nice 17 season career in uh, in Australia, in the NBL. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Yeah. So firstly, before we get into you, um, as some of you, I've, especially my mates that I've, I've spoken about, like, when, how I started playing basketball. Bruce was the guy that taught me how to shoot a basketball, how to dribble a basketball back when I would have been uh, maybe 12, yeah, let's say. Uh-huh. What was I like? Was I as annoying as uh, – was I an annoying little kid? Or, no, you I mean, wasn't an annoying little kid. You was, you was a kid that <clears throat> that was passionate but would, would get frustrated uh, pretty quick when things didn't work out your way. Yeah, not realizing that uh, you know what we were working on wasn't going to happen straight away. It was a progress. It was a process, and that uh, you know we had to stay on course with that process, and you had to stay, uh, you know, stay positive, stay upbeat, and not not be too hard on yourself. You know, when you, you know, when it, when I put you in tough situations or, or uh, you know things, your, your shot wasn't falling that day. But yeah, yeah, I, I knew eventually it would work out. This is something I just thought of on the on the top of my head. The classic Will and Sam Fraser one-on-one matchups. Let's <laughs> obviously I want more of them. What do you when thinking back that like what five, six years ago? You know, I uh, I I enjoyed it. <laughs> I enjoyed watching the watching the big brother, you know, try to dominate the the you know, his little brother, his little brother who was feisty, competitive, mm-hmm. you know, like to to you know throw his weight around. When, when his older brother, as in you, yeah, you know, was trying to, um, you know, be the teacher and 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 showing off the student, <laughs> and, uh, it was a good competitive, uh, competitive one-on-one sessions, right? Oh, those are the days. He's playing with us on Mondays as well. I, I got play. He had not played in since high school, and he's finally he, he's loving it again. He's not playing as much as he used to, but like yeah. even so, he'll play on Mondays. 
Good, 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 man. That's good to see you. You know, you you guys ended up with that. You know that that brother brother combo. Of course, he still goes on about how I hog the ball too much, but he still can shoot. It's really weird. Like he won't touch a ball in two years, but then can make like he hit like two threes in a game a yeah. couple of games back. Yeah, he, uh, I did see that he was that type that was just an all around athlete. Oh yeah, that could be good in a lot of different things. Yeah, um, but one of those guys that would, you know, that for whatever reason would be lucky, would be uh, reluctant to put everything down and focus on one particular sport. But, yeah, you know that's what happens when you when you're an all around gifted player. You like to dabble in everything and show your skill set and your abilities within a lot of different sports, just depending on. You know how you feel on that day, and where you was at on that day, and that yeah, he's definitely that type of you know, yeah guy. Hundred percent, hundred percent. Let's 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 get into let's get you. you. So I was doing some research. So Flint, Michigan. You grew up. I remember you telling me this back in the day. But then on on your Wikipedia and all online, you're born. It's at Jackson, Mississippi. So you were born in Mississippi and then moved to Michigan. Is that? Yeah, that's correct. So I was born in Jackson, Mississippi. Uh, my father decided to, you know, relocate us to Flint, Michigan, because that's where, uh, particularly Michigan itself, um, where the car industry was booming. And so yeah. uh, he thought that we would have a, uh, a better life uh, mm -hmm. up there if he had a, uh, a job in the car industry, uh -huh. um, you know, you know, use that as our, our our new home, our foundation where we could, um, you know, uh, grow as a family. Um, my my sister and I could, could go to school and, and and have a very fruitful family uh, in in Flint, Flint, Michigan. Yeah, was Michigan like you know how they talk back, especially with Detroit? Was it as bad as like people say back in? Or was that the 70s, 60s, 70s? Uh, yeah, it would have been the, the yeah, the 70s, 80s. I mean, 80s, yeah. I mean, growing up, yeah, it was bad, but yeah. you know, I didn't, it didn't phase me uh at all. I, I just was a, a kid enjoying life, uh, yeah. you know, hanging out with my friends, playing basketball as much as I could. Yeah. Uh, I never really got into trouble myself. I didn't, I didn't yeah, uh, you know, hang around guys or, or, or gangs who would always you know, be doing things that they shouldn't and, and, and find them, find their way into, you know, in the trouble with the police. Uh, because I, I was always mindful of that, hey, if I get in trouble outside of home, when I get back home, I'm being, it's going to be even worse. So that kind of kept me, mm -hmm. you know, away from that and, and you know, and, and made it easy for me to be doing things that I enjoyed and got some satisfaction out of, which was a uh, majority of time basketball. How did you get into basketball? Did you... Was your mom or your dad like, oh, you were just really tall when you were like a kid and they're just like, Bruce, just go play basketball? What was what was that like? Um, well, growing up, I played I played all different sports. You yeah. know, I played basketball, obviously mm -hmm. NFL, which is uh, gridiron as they call it here. Baseball. So I, don't know why, I don't know why we call it gridiron. Yeah. It's so Baseball, weird. Flag, flag football, which is yeah. Aztec. Yeah. Um, and enjoyed all of it. And then um it got to about 13 years old and I was, I was pretty tall for a 13 year old. I had a, uh, a cousin of mine who I, you know, who I, who I credit my, my basketball career with in terms of making that decision. He said mm -hmm. to me uh, back then, Hey Bruce, you know, you, you're tall. You should, uh, you know, put all those other sports to the side and start focusing on basketball because you could, you can make it in the NBA. Yep. Uh, because back then it was all about if you were tall, 
you know, you had a real good chance at the NBA. And so yeah. when, he put, when he put it to me that way, the, the, the thing that rung out in my mind was NBA, NBA, NBA. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's, I love being in NBA. And so that was the turning point to get me to solely focus on basketball when mm-hmm. my cousin, um, you know, gave me that, that, that message. And also behind that message was some confidence that he saw me, uh, you know, going down that path if I were to solely focus on basketball. And um, I took that on board, um, started, you know, playing a lot more basketball when I could, didn't do any other sports. And I started seeing improvement myself yeah, uh, and enjoying it. Um, and, you know, getting some respect from my, uh, from my friends at the time on the playground, they would always say, Hey, Bruce, man, come play with us. Because mm-hmm. when you're on the playground and you off, you, you, you'll be out for an hour because there's so many guys waiting, mm-hmm. but you always get picked up by a team that, that, that one of their players might've decided to leave. And then they have the choice of picking up another player. And so mm-hmm. that's what happened to me. A lot of times it was like, Bruce, come play with us. And so you know, that, that gave me, uh, you know, gave me some satisfaction that, hey, you know, I'm, I'm doing something. My skills are getting better. You know, these dudes are, you know, giving me my props and wanting me to play with them when they need a, a player. So it all it all started that way. Do you remember any, like, crazy runs back in, like, back in Flint, back in the day? Did you ever, like, go up against, like, NBA players or anything? Mm. Um, yeah, well, see, in Flint, a lot of... Uh, a lot of guys in Flint that I played up against, um, we, um, you know, most people wouldn't wouldn't know them because they were, you know, they were sort of Flint legends. Yeah, um, I did. Whenever we played in a uh, what's called a Saint Cecilia competition in Detroit. Yep. Um, there would be teams from Flint, teams from Detroit, teams from Saginaw, teams from Lansing, teams from Chicago, uh-huh. go and play in this uh, in this competition. Uh-huh. In that competition, you had Magic Johnson. Oh wow! Johnson. You had oh, Mark Mark McGuire. Wow. Um, I think uh, I can't remember if Dominic Wilkins came down there as uh-huh. well. Um, so yeah, it was it was wow. probably one of the, the the toughest leagues in Michigan. It was mm. called Saints and Cities. So it was always uh, it was always a good run, and uh, Flint was known for its its ballers. You know, kind of like kind of like Walga, which is known for their sportsmen. Yep. Uh, Flint, if you you know if you were to Google Flint and Google sportsmen from Flint, you would see a long list of them. That that is that comes out come out of Flint like uh, Morris Peterson, Glenn Rice. Uh, oh wow! Uh, Mikael Bridges, Monte Morris, um, Mateen Cleves, mm-hmm. um, a guy named Barry Barry Stevens, Trent Tucker. Um, yeah, so Flint has has uh, definitely generated some some ballers. And I can so, say. Yeah, and um, it's one of those things too where you know whenever I say to people I'm from Flint, the first thing they they say is, "Oh, Flint is you know is is uh, generating some ballers out there." So it's a it's a it's a it's a known city for for ballers around the, around the world. Yeah, well, Michigan State is it Michigan State in Flint or is it Michigan? So Michigan Michigan State is in Lansing. Lansing, yep. Mich- Michigan is in Ann Arbor. Ann Arbor. Yeah. 
I always remember hearing Flint, Michigan. I don't know where from, but um, yeah, there's a couple of reasons. Um, yeah, Bowling for Columbine, which is a movie based yep. out of Flint. Yep. Um, and and also, unfortunately, the, you had the water crisis. Yeah, that, that's um, from Flint as well, which yep. they are, you know slowly uh, improving now. So, what was it like playing against these legends like Magic, Isaiah, um, Aguirre? Uh, I mean, at the time, you know, at the time, we just we, we just went out there and ball. We didn't we didn't we didn't look at them that way. We looked at them as okay. We know we know how what they're gonna bring. We gotta yeah. make sure we we you know we bring our uh, our game as well because if you didn't, you know, they chew you up. So whenever mm-hmm. we came to town, we came to town ready to ball. Yeah, you know, those guys, you know, had guys come from Chicago. You know, it's a, it's a it's a ballers uh, city. Uh, mm-hmm. Lansing, that's where Magic came from. Detroit, Detroit has some hard nose, uh, hard nose ballers. Um, mm-hmm. And even Saginaw, which is where uh, uh, Draymond Green is from, he's from Saginaw, Michigan. Yep. So um, we didn't look, we didn't put them up on this on this pedestal. We respected them by coming down there and, and, and balling out, and, you know, trying to trying to walk away at the end of the day saying that, hey, yeah, yeah, we won a couple of good games or we won a tournament and, and you know, and that we held our own on that particular uh, day or tournament. Uh-huh, uh-huh. What was it like back then, like, with, like, scouting your opponents? Because obviously there wasn't, there no, wasn't social media and stuff. Did you just no, go play? No, we didn't scout. I mean, yeah. once we, once we um, had played there once, yeah. We, we knew the, the players that they was going to have. You know, Amazing. we knew chances are that Chicago would have, you know, Mark Mark Bright. We knew Magic was coming to town. You know, we knew uh, from Lansing the guy named Daisy McClung. So you knew, yeah, yeah. Um, you know who was coming, and that just made you get even, you know, more prepared and ready to ready to ball. So you went to Boise State University, and um, one one thing I really wonder. Um, the recruiting process. What was it like then? Did you did you speak to your local schools like Michigan and Michigan State and stuff? And so, then how did you get recruited? So um, high school for me was uh, one where I, I was still developing. And so yeah. Coming out of coming out of high school, uh, our our main player uh, he was probably top twenty in the in in America. His name was Barry Stevens. He ended up going mm-hmm. to Iowa, and he got drafted by. Um, uh, the Warriors. Yep. Me, I was just, I was just a blue collar. I rebounded, mm-hmm. played tough D, tried to get in positions to catch and just put it up. Yep. So I didn't have a, I didn't have a whole lot of um, college interest. Uh, I think I might have had about six, six colleges interested in me. Mm-hmm. And I, and the other thing too is, I really didn't want to stay in Michigan. I had some, some um, Michigan teams interested in me. Um, Central Michigan, yep. Uh, Grand Rapids, yep. Uh, I mean, uh, that's not to say if Michigan or Michigan State was interested in me, I you know wouldn't have highly considered. Of course, I would have, but I I did want to leave Michigan, um, and my 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 choices were uh, San Diego State, uh-huh. uh, Xavier down in Louisiana, yeah, yeah 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 yeah, Boise Boise State. Idaho, Idaho State, uh, even Weber State, which was where uh, Mr. Lillard played. Yeah, Damon Lillard went. Um, and so 
the whole time, um, Boise State was always reaching out to me, asking me, you know, my thoughts, trying to get my decision. And I, I actually was going to go to Xavier down in Louisiana with my, uh, with my high school teammate. But then that failed, and he ended up going to Iowa State. And I was in a position where I had to make a decision. Boise State was still, still there knocking on doors, still reaching out, still trying to get me to commit to them. And, and then I ended up, uh, I, I ended up, you know, committing to, uh, to Boise State and going there. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, seeing like, I'd imagine it was probably even worse when you played. Like, obviously, they just brought on the NIL, NIL deal with all the guys mm-hmm. that can finally make, you know, name it in and like, because you get paid. How do you feel about that? Like, being a, you know, college athlete in the 80s where, I would imagine it would have been tough, you know, because you're playing basketball probably, uh, you're playing probably two or three times a day. And yeah. then how the hell are you going to have time to go and make some money for yourself? So what was that experience like? And then what's your thoughts on the current uh, college situation in the NIL? Well, fortunately for me, my, my experience was, uh, my experience was a good one. I, I, I didn't really struggle for, for money. Uh, my parents always, you know, looked after me with some, with some spending money. Yeah. Um, You know, at the same time, what's happened now legally used to happen back in the day under the table. So certain players were still getting looked at. That's just the way it was. But it uh, it wasn't a case where I was I was struggling, you know, going four or five days without any money in my pocket. That wasn't the case, especially. my second year onwards because your second year onwards you stay off campus yep. and you get and you get allowance from the school oh yeah yep. you pay for your rent and your expenses yep so then that allowed me to kind of pick a uh, uh, uh an apartment where i think there was four of us staying in the apartment and that allowed me to have some extra money left over from my monthly um from my monthly money from from the school, so I, w- I was I was okay. Um, I was in walking distance to the school, so I didn't have to worry about catching the bus or you know catching a ride or anything. So, um, you know that that side of it didn't didn't affect me whatsoever. Uh-huh. Um, but today with the with the NIL, I mean, I'm all for it because we know how much money the NC2A have made off athletes, right? Uh, and athletes. You know, they couldn't even get, uh, uh, you know, a fan or a booster to buy them, um, you know, some McDonald's, a Big Mac meal. It's crazy. Mm. But yet, those same boosters support the school, which in turn support the program. Uh-huh. So um, I, I think eventually what was going to happen is, is it was going to be stronger under the table. Uh, and it, the rumors was going to be floating a lot more that this this booster is looking after this player, and then all of a sudden you're going to get a local journalist that wants to look more into that, and expose it, and mm-hmm. then it come back where the university has been aware of it all along, and it makes them look bad. So now let's just put it out on the table, let those players, both male and female, see if they can, you know, generate some some revenue off their brand. Um, and so, therefore, it might help the the uh, the influx of kids playing college basketball or playing college sports, being able to say, being able to have a, a local 
car dealership to sponsor them, give them some money so they then can give that money to their family and help their family out of that out of that struggle situation and also help their family come and watch them uh, play more. So I'm I'm all for it. I'm 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 glad NC2A finally uh, did the right thing to to the athletes and allow them to get a piece of that pie. Yeah, that's about damn time. Yeah. But if, I, I would my big opinion on it is that you know they they're still especially with these top guys. You um you look back like players like Ben Simmons and. You know, I don't think it's ever came out, but he would have got some incentive to go to LSU when they weren't. Well, LSU's always been a big university, but they weren't a team finishing in the top 25 ever, not for yeah. a long time. And then, and it, but I st- even so, like Division One basketball is still a better option for these for these kids. You just looked at the whole guys from the J League. Th- four of them gonna get drafted. Mm. Yeah, Dyson Daniels, which is a success story, but most of them. Yeah. You have that um, the overtime thing, elite thing, and then they're yeah. still overseas. And you obviously have you have um, you know you have different people like Lamelo Ball who you know prove that that's not the best option, but it's still proven to date. The top three picks were all one and done college athletes. Yeah. yeah. So the um, the path to getting to the NBA, if you know if that's that's your dream and that and you have the skills to do that, it is it is definitely changed. Uh, and players need to uh, bring down the hype mm-hmm. and really look at which is the best best pathway for them. Because mm-hmm. I've seen I've seen over the last two years, it hasn't worked out for players who the hype had them, uh, you, you know, as in as as first rounders. Yeah. Okay. And also, they've got themselves in situations playing wise. Where they weren't weren't able to um, showcase their whole skill set because of the you know because of the coach's game plan because of the personnel um, because of the style of play and so these things have to really be looked at uh, you know thought thought about real thoroughly and have that conversation with the coach with the team, mm-hmm. uh, uh, for example, the NBL, you know, there's kids that are deciding to come to NBL, you know, and then go into the NBA that way. Yep, that's great, but the coach, the organization, and the player, they have to be on the same page. Yeah, 100%. That can be a problem. Yeah. Um, one, so. one thing I'm afraid for, especially like, uh, if you, do you know who Mikey Williams is? You heard of that name? Uh, Mikey Wynn. Did he just commit to Kansas? Oh, yes. You saw that photo. So that's not, that was some visit. But like kids like him, who's been in the spotlight since he yep. was 13 years old, he's, I think he's just about, I think he's just going to his senior now. What's this kid going to, maybe he goes plays one year, but like, what's it really going to be like when he's in a college situation when he's not that Mikey Williams around? There's going to be another top player who's trying to make the name for himself. Like, this this is this is the thing though. Um, those players, those players behind the scenes, if they if they're not getting caught up in that and they are really grinding mm-hmm. and putting themselves in the right position and, and 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 speaking to the right people and being trained by the right people, it 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 can work out. But um, you know, this this overtime, obviously, someone like Mikey, they want to put it out there. 
Yeah. Because because overtime, their uh, their approach is, hey, we put Mikey out there. Overtime gets more exposure. Oh, yeah, 100%. Right? We hope Mikey, his exposure will lead to opportunities. But it's, opportunities, exposure don't lead to NBA. Your skill set lead to the NBA. Exactly. That's the difference. Uh, i give you another example. Mike Foster. Oh, yep. Oh, yeah. One of the J League. Foster. He was at, uh, what was he at? Uh, he's played at He was yeah, at Hillcrest. Yep. Right. And now he's um, he's in the summer league with uh, 76ers. Yep. Now, when he's at Hillcrest, he was a man amongst boys. He mm-hmm. played a, uh, a season in the G League. Mm-hmm. Right. But he didn't get drafted. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you sort of ask yourself, okay, you were a man, uh, man amongst boys at Hillcrest. G League, you didn't show anything unique and different. Didn't do enough. Um, because all of a sudden now you are a man amongst a man among men, experienced men in the G League. And so now he's in a situation with Philly where it's during the summer league, he's gonna have to really show something different that mm-hmm. the um, that the uh, the teams uh haven't seen or didn't know he had in this repertoire. Yeah, no, 100%. Yeah. 100%. Um, another example, Kai Soto, Bradley 36ers. Yes. Good. Okay. Good. There's another example. And, uh, yeah. and, I, and I know firsthand um, his – the way he played in the NBL was he went to the block, which I, I can understand because he's a, he's a footer, so he can just, you know, drop step, jump hooks, drop step, power up. In the mm-hmm. NBA, in the NBA, that's not going to work. Hundred percent, hundred percent. So he didn't prepare himself for where he wanted to go by mm-hmm. playing that position in the NBA. I so, think the, I think the big thing with someone like him is he has not had a lot of court time in the last three years. Like he didn't play the year before that. He was at J League Ignite with um Jalen Green and all those guys. Barely even played, and then. Had a, pretty much a full year off, I think even longer than that, and then steps into Adelaide. And I don't know, I, I don't know this guy personally, but like it seemed like he just went straight into it. And I saw his points somewhere, and he looked like he looked like he did okay, but like it's still a massive step up when you when you're trying to make you know an NBA team. But yeah, yeah. you 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 really have to you really have to know truly know what you have to do to get to that next level. Yeah, you got to have people around you that set that up and reassure you, and also let you know based on what they've been told what you have to do. And I can guarantee you, no one in the NBA told him or his agent, "Yeah, we want you to post up." Oh yeah, which was which was he was doing quite a bit in the NBA. I, I get it, but it took away opportunity for him to to show what he can do at NBA level for them to consider him. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, back to you. So, um, back into college basketball. So, playing with the Boise, um, how was the college basketball experience back in the eighties like? For me, I enjoyed it, man. It yeah. was it was a, it was a whole lot of fun. You know, I, I was a kid coming out of Flint, Michigan. You know, um, uh, you know, loving basketball. Um, wanted to continue playing basketball. The work uh, toward, you know going to the NBA and my next step was, was college. Uh, I was fortunate enough to, uh, to meet some, some great friends, great teammates. Uh, you know, my, my, uh, uh, 
freshman roommate uh, at Boise State, we still are like brothers today. Uh-huh, uh-huh. So it was it was definitely it was definitely fun. Um, uh, I enjoyed it, um, you know, and it and it opened you know it opened me to another world because in Flint, you know, particularly back then, you're looking at 95 percent black community. Yeah, Boise, Idaho, it's the other way around. Yeah, I would it's imagine 95 percent white. So it was it was an adjustment. It was a, something that that I had to uh, you know understand that this is this is where it is in my journey this is university um you know this is this is opportunity for me to you know engage and communicate with all different types of people uh not just not just my community and uh obviously some of the the saturday saturday night um you you know university keg parties was you know was a whole Mm -hmm. lot of fun too Mm -hmm. yeah now, now you're getting me talking. Now you're getting me talking. I knew you like that. <laughs> um, one, one thing I want to know is how, how did you manage having to study? You know, what was your major firstly, and then having uh, to study business, business communication. Business communications. Oh yeah, similar to what I'm doing. Yeah. Um, having to study, and then I assume you probably got up early, doing your training, and then stay back for practice, and then also trying to live a university social life. Yeah. You had no other choice, yeah. Because if you, uh, you, you know, we as players, as athletes, if we, if we didn't maintain, uh, I can't remember what the GPA was at the time, but if we didn't maintain that and we went, in, went underneath, we become ineligible. Yeah. We wouldn't play. So oh, wow. we had a we had a coach who was uh, in charge of our uh, study hall. Mm-hmm. So we would we would study as a as a team three yeah. times three times a week. So we oh, have wow. practice. We have practice in the morning. Mm-hmm. Then we go to our classes. We have practice in the afternoon, um, and then we have study hall after. Well, we practice in the afternoon. Then we have our dinner. Then we have study hall afterwards for an hour and a half, three times a week. Well, wow. and wow. we had an allocated coach to make sure that we were doing that, and that coach would check with our professors to see how we were going what areas we were struggling in, if we need to go, if they need to go out and get a tutor, because it also reflected on, on the, uh, on the basketball team. If yep. they had, uh, um, if they had players consistently over, you know, two or three years, that was being, becoming ineligible. That was, that would be a reflection back on the team, not putting emphasis on the education side of it. So it was yeah. a responsibility from their part at the same time, we had to be responsible as well to make sure that we didn't let them down. We didn't let our teammates down and we went out and played as a team. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it was a balance that, that, that you know, uh, that wasn't, it wasn't hard, you know, it was just a matter of uh, just, you know, planning out your day, which the, the coach helped us out with that as well. Awesome. Awesome. Mm-hmm. How was it? Um, what, what was the game like back then? And then, um, I, I know it was, you know, reading into it and seeing highlights, it was a lot more physical. So when playing, um, what div, what conference what is, was Boise? Uh, it was the Big Sky Conference. Right? Big Sky. Yeah. Big Sky. So what was it like? I, I can't say, I, I can't think of any teams off the top of my head in Big Sky. Yeah. Um, it was, you know, that back then it was, the game was a lot more physical. It yeah. wasn't as fast paced as it is now. It was yeah. stop, start, half mm-hmm. court, bang. You know, a lot of screens, um, you know, penetration. Obviously, the, the, 
the three ball wasn't there. So yeah. a lot more physical and, and that was fine with me because that was part of my game. Yeah. Know, coming out of high school, you know, I was pretty, I was pretty solid. Um, and I enjoyed getting in the gym, you know, and being strong physically mm-hmm. as well as mentally. So, um, yeah. yeah, so that, that, that was a, uh, that was the style and, uh, it, you know, I, my frame, my skill set, uh, suited that style. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cool. Cool. And then, um, I saw, uh, I was looking up your stats and I saw in the last season, well, even so you always, you know, if, as just going through this and you focused on rebounding. How was it? What was like your thoughts on like getting, you know, mastering the double, double. Cause you did that a couple, you did that in many years in your uh, professional career, but the last season you were pretty close to it. So what was it like, you know, what is it like grabbing the rebound, grabbing a rebound and like masking? It was, for, for, yeah. See, for me, yeah. getting there, it's for me, because I was majority of the time I was close to the basket. Yeah. I, I became really good at positioning myself to get the rebound. Yeah. Uh, anticipating where the rebound, how it would, how it would bounce off the rim. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and being in a position to, to at the, at the very least contest for that rebound if I didn't get it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that was a, that was a big part of, part of my, uh, my game. As soon as that ball was shot, I was like, okay, it's, it's rebound time. Mm-hmm. You know, who's there? I got to get position. I got to lay some body on them so I can make contact to create separation, which then give me the opportunity to go and go grab the ball. So I, I enjoy rebound. Yep. Uh, offensively, Hey, you you get yourself in a in a good position. That's that's some you know that's some extra points there. Easy mm-hmm. points for me. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so it's a big part of my game. Yeah. Mm-hmm. When did the when did the mid range game develop, or was that just always a? No, no, the mid range game didn't develop until I got to Australia. Oh really? I have to admit, oh. yeah. I, I mean, I was I was okay, but it was not something before that I was really conscious and confident of. But it developed when I got to Australia because back then the imports we had to we had to do the low work. Yeah, we had to go out and score 25, 30 each game because mm-hmm. the Australian skill wise wasn't where it is today. Yeah, where they take a lot of that load off the imports. So imports these days can come out here and average 12, 15, uh, 16 points. Back when I first came out here, if you average that. And your and your your Australian teammates didn't none of them average 20, 20 plus, you'd be sacked. They bring in another American that can come in and get 25 and and, and, and 10. That's crazy. It's so looking it was, this so it was just it was just something that uh evolved over over time. Um because I knew I could I could uh get down to the block and score uh mm-hmm. because I had good footwork and I and I knew how to um you know attack the basket from the block but then when I went to the free throw line and a lot of times players didn't think didn't think I would be comfortable and confident enough of shooting that which again uh gave me opportunity to start shooting that and mm-hmm. I started making them and mm-hmm. I started working on it and I started making them and then it became a part of my game um and to where I thought this is this is just as much money for me in mid-range than, than on the block. See, and on the block, majority of the time, if I took, you know, two or three dribbles, I would be double team. But yeah. up top, but up top, it would be one-on-one and I have enough space to get the shot off. 
Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it, it evolved that way. Yep, yep. And um, quickly back with college. Um, so was there any thoughts, um, not thoughts with any teams talking, like NBA teams talking? Were- no, no, I, I just, I, I wasn't at that level. And I remember, yeah. you know, J- Jordan came out in 83. Yep. Right. And all the NBA teams was looking for the next Jordan. Mm-hmm. I, w- I wasn't in that league. Mm-hmm. And I was real with myself coming out of college that uh, I knew I wasn't going to get drafted. If I would, if I'd have had, you know, uh, an opportunity to go to camp, that would have been good, but it just didn't happen. And, mm-hmm. uh, and I was, I, I, you know, I was disappointed, but at the yeah. same time, I, I, I just made a, a conscious um, decision to, to think, okay, well, I'm not going to the NBA Europe back then was the second best league. Yeah. And I thought, okay, I gotta get the Europe. I gotta get the Europe because I want to keep playing. I didn't even I didn't even think about Australia at that time. Yeah. I was thinking Europe. Mm-hmm. So um got contacted by a uh, an agent based in Germany and he um we got to talking and he he set it up for me. And ended up in Norway of all places. So how did that how did that come up? Well he, he just pretty much said, my agent at the time pretty much said, I have a team in Norway that, um, that would like you to play for them. Yeah. And because, because that was the first team, I thought, let me jump on it. I knew nothing about Norway. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't know the language. I didn't know the, the culture. I didn't know the weather. But I thought, well, hey, this is, this is another uh, part of my journey. Yep. Uh, to where I can go there, and if I do well, if I improve my skills, then hey, the NBA, the NBA is still is still lurking around in my mind as a yeah. uh, as a as a dream. Yeah. So, <clears throat> so you know, so I got there. Um, uh, and it, it was a good environment. The coach was sweetest. The players, uh, you know, they spoke broken English enough to where we can communicate on the. Okay. Court. Good. 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 Um, and uh, you know, and and had a had a good season. Yeah, yeah. It was it was a it was a good experience. Yeah. Because see, again, for me, and this is this is part of my journey. I leave. I go from Flint, mm-hmm. to Boise, to Norway. Yeah. So part of that journey, yeah, it's it's basketball related, but it's also growth as a young man. Yeah, hundred percent. As a kid that's coming out of Flint, Michigan, mm-hmm. okay, mm-hmm. that's that's used to that environment, and all of a sudden, I'm in I'm I'm in a totally different environment that I have to adjust to, that I have to transition, um, that I have to embrace, because it's working toward my dream. Yeah. yeah. Well, mentally, how did you go from you? As I said, as you just said, Flint, Boise. Norway and then obviously you ended up in Australia how how was that mentally for you and then how were you just able to do that and just keep going with the journey I think it had to do with when I left Flint and went to Boise yeah that was a you know that was easier than I thought uh, <laughs> easier than I expected because I got there and I uh and I connected with obviously with my team yeah, uh, but I really connected to my uh, to my roommate uh, mm-hmm. really really strong. So that made that made it easy. That that didn't that made me not even think about being homesick because I was in a nice environment where I was happy. I was playing ball, and then 
um, it was also one where I said to myself, well, wait a minute, I can go from Flint to Boise, Idaho. Wow, I, I would have never thought that in a million years. I can, I can do that. And then when Nor Norway came along, uh, it, for me, it was like, okay, yeah, Europe, that's where I want to go. So yep. where, the way I looked at it took away from me mentally getting drained and worrying about it. Yeah. Because, it, because it, the end goal was me still playing basketball, mm -hmm. right? Me still still being able to do something I, I love. Me still being able to, you know, go to the gym, lift, you know, and then hang out a little bit with the friends and play basketball. Yeah. So those that those transitions, um, and the and the dangling carrot of those transitions took my mind away from the worrying about what's this going to be like, what these people are going to be like, what's this coach going to be like, what's the weather. Took, took all that away because I because it was basketball for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then um, then you did finally end up in Australia. And I was looking, uh, one of your former teammates at Boise State, Eric Bailey, I'm hope, hopefully they yeah, found the right Bailey. guy. Mm -hmm. In the uh, the La Gibson Lakers. I don't know Gibson, where the hell Gibson, Gibson is firstly. And then yeah, Gibson that, and Lakers. And then the Southeastern Basketball League. What? Tell me everything because I don't know what most yeah. of that is. So... So while I was in Norway, yeah. toward the end of my first season in Norway, Eric Bailey, my college teammate, yes, he was in Australia at the time. Yep. Uh, he it was his second year as a player coach. Player uh, coach. Player coach in the SEABL. SEABL. Yep. Which is the Southeastern Australian Basketball League. Yep. It's pretty much uh, it's pretty much like the Waratah. Or the NBL one. Yep, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, they needed another uh, another import, uh -huh. and he called me straight away and said, "Hey, man, you, you got to come play with me. I'm the coach, um, but I need you to play with me so we can, you know, we can dominate over here and have some fun again, like we did at, uh, you know, at, at Boise State." And I was like, "Great." I knew nothing about Australia other than koalas and kangaroos, um, <laughs> and I thought. You know, and I did think then that if it's not all that good, at least I'm over there with my uh, with my buddy. I could hang out with him. Yeah. Um, not knowing what it was going to be like, but the sheer fact that I was coming to play with him and reconnecting him was was great because he was saying to me that hey, it's the it's the you know it's the second division here. Uh, they do have a, a you know NBL team, an NBL league, which he actually played in with Melbourne. Uh, Tigers actually, yeah, uh, yep. previous to, to taking up the head coaching role. But I said to him, Yep, yeah, let's do it. So, finished off my season, my first season in Norway, went home for two weeks. Oh, wow. And, and then flew to uh, flew to Australia, got to Tullamarine, drove from Tullamarine to Trelgan, which is three hours. Oh, my God. Yeah, in the, in the uh, you know, Gippsland area and and, and had a, um, Played my first season S SEABL, and back then we had the red, white, and blue basketball. Oh wow, ABA ball, love uh -huh. that. Um, and yeah, we we had a we had a uh, had a great combination uh -huh. uh, in terms of the season. We didn't we was we was inconsistent. We didn't make the playoffs, uh -huh. um, but I averaged forty and twenty. <laughs> now it was it worked out that's well. That's insane. Mm. So obviously, 
it, it's still probably that's still quite similar to like the NBL one. Like yeah. Uh, yeah. And um with that, what was obviously you dominating was way too easy, I would imagine for you. But what was the big difference from playing in Norway than playing in the uh playing in Australia? Um yeah, Norway was a little tougher. You had grown men in, in Norway that could play. Yeah, you know, Europe, Europe basketball, they they're very uh, as they are now, very good fundamentally. Uh, they're, they're physical, you know. The you know in Europe they start playing professionally at 16 years old. So yeah. when I got when I got there, I wasn't going up against uh, you know I was going up against kids who were 16. I was going up against grown men who were 28. Mm-hmm. But but for me as an import, I had to I had to go out there with the go hard or go home uh, mentality, and and that's the way that wasn't. But um, the uh, in Australia in the Siebel, it's a little different. Uh, the skill level for the Australians was not at that same level yeah. as, as the uh, the European players. Yeah. So uh, that allowed that allowed me to uh, you know have a good season. Plus, my like I said, my body shape. I was I was a power. I actually played the five position. Oh, did in, you in the, in the SEABL? Yeah. Was it and just they, that small? Huh? Was it just like that small? Yeah, that yeah. small. And kids, you know, I was just was overbearing physically. Mm-hmm. Um, and that allowed, um, yeah, that allowed me to have a good a good season. Yeah, awesome. Mm-hmm. And then um, you made your NBL debut for Eastside. Some of these names, these NBL teams back in the day, us Eastside, some of them, anyways. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I first game, you dropped thirty points. So. Is that right? Uh, I saw that um, somewhere. I can't, I can't remember the actual yeah. number. So what happened there was... Yeah, what, how, how did you end up there? So when I finished with the uh, my, my SEABL season, I went yeah. back to Norway for my second season. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So while I was over in Norway for my second season, I got a, I got a call from another teammate. Yep. Another college teammate, Vince Henschen. Yep. Right? He was, uh, he was uh, with... The he actually was with the nine one inspectors, which are East Side inspectors, but yep. at the time they were called nine one inspectors. Yep. They had just sacked the import. Yep. Which was Dean Utah. Yep. Uh, who had a career with the uh, 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 Sydney Kings? Oh, oh okay. yes, Mountain Man, Dean Utah. So yep. they just they just sacked him, and he said, "Man, you know." I told my coach about you, you know, hey, you were dominating in the SEABL. You know, you definitely can play in the NBL. He said, I told my coach about it. Would you be about you? Would you be interested in coming and playing the NBL? I was like, oh, yeah, of course. Mm-hmm. Because the other thing, too, playing in the SEABL down in Gippsland, whenever we um, whenever we didn't play on a Friday, we might have had a Saturday game. We, we didn't play on a Friday. What I would do, I would drive to Melbourne. And we were playing this place called Albert Park, Albert Park. right? Which is which is where MSAC is now, Melbourne Sports Aquatic Center. Yes, uh, yeah, that's why. This is about. this is pre pre MSAC, pre where the Melbourne Grand Prix is. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. We're talking we're talking old school. We're talking back in the days when Lindsey Gaze and Andrew would be right there on a Friday playing pickup with oh, all wow. the brothers at the time. Yes, yeah, so wow. every Friday it was a pickup from from a four o'clock to about seven. And all the guys that all the uh, imports and even some of the Australians that uh, that lived in Melbourne, sometimes those that were, you know, living Bendigo, Ballarat, obviously with me down the trailer, 
would come to town and get that real, that real good pickup game. Yeah. And so we did that. And so with that, I got a good gauge of how I would go against these imports that's playing in the NBL. Yeah. And I was confident, you know, oh, yeah, I can play in the NBL. But it was a matter of trying to get there, which, you know, I left that up to my agent. So Vince called me uh, and said, hey, man, you know, I've spoken to the coach. They're interested. Would you like to come play with us? And I was like, let's do it. Yes. So, um, yeah, so finished my season in Norway. And at that time, too, I thought, um, yeah, if I can if I can stay in Australia for a couple of years, work on my game, that might be my pathway to the NBA instead of mm-hmm. coming back to Norway or instead of coming back to Europe. Because there was there was a big language barrier in uh, in Europe, which I would imagine you know wasn't too much of a problem. But after my first year in Australia, where the language was English, where there was McDonald's, where there's KFC, <laughs> where there's Kmart. It was all these familiar things that I, uh, I, I that resonated with, but I thought, okay, I, I can I can easily make that transition in, in Australia. So, um, so yeah, so finished that season, arrived in Australia, uh, ready to have my first NBL season. I arrived at Tullamarine on a Friday. Yep. I met the team at Tullamarine on that Friday. Yep. From there. We, we took a flight to Sydney. Uh, yep. Uh, this is on the Friday. Took a flight to Sydney. Then we drove to Newcastle. Yep. We played Newcastle that night. That a team as well. Okay, yep. Mm-hmm. They had a team as well. Newcastle Falcons that night. We yep. beat them. I yep. think I'm, I, I think from memory, I might have had about 22 or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, we beat them, left Newcastle that night, drove to Sydney because we played the Kings the yep. next day, Saturday. Yeah. Um, oh wow. Yeah, yeah. So I didn't. Okay. I don't know if I had. I think I might have had like you know 15, 16 points, but we lost to the Kings. Yep. Um, and then you know went back to Melbourne and you know got settled into my apartment and my career kind of started from there. Mm-hmm. Uh, my intro into the into the NBL was arrive on the Friday, meet the team, fly to Sydney, oh, fly wow. to Newcastle play that game, fly out, uh, drive to Sydney, play the Kings the next night, Saturday, and then fly out Sunday, go back to Melbourne. So you can imagine imagine Sunday night where I was straight on the couch, just laid out (laughs) from two games, not only traveling from, from America to us, to Australia, but having to travel to Sydney, to Newcastle, back to Sydney, back to Melbourne. Yeah, so it was it was a it was an intro of a of a difference to the NBL, uh, but at the same time I was pumped. I was going on and drilling. Yeah, and again it was like an opportunity to play in Australia, an opportunity to play with another teammate of mine. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought things are starting to work out. I'm I'm enjoying this, mm-hmm. and I and again I'm playing basketball. Exactly. One more mm-hmm. do you want? Mm-hmm. And um. What was the, you know, from playing the S E A B L, which is Sable, Sable. I'm just going to call that from now on. So playing from Sable and then playing for Eastside, what was like the biggest step up that you realized after playing those two games? Oh, well, when I got to the NBL, it was, it was, it was as much as the the players in the NBL wasn't as skillful as they are now. Yeah. They were a lot more physical. Back then, 
they weren't they, they weren't afraid to 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 throw an elbow or push you. Oh wow. They they were that's how I found out about the word mongrel. Uh. <laughs> because there was a lot more mongrel in players back then. They might not have had the skill set, but they had a lot of mongrel in them. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was it was very physical. Yeah. Yeah. And and it didn't bother me because I I you know, because of my size and my strength, I was okay with that. But I had to make sure that I was ready for it every game, which I didn't have that 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 problem with Siebel. Yeah. But NBL, yeah, you you had to be ready to and especially as an import, you get a lot more attention. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that that the physicality was a huge difference. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, yeah, so doing that and so you did that season. And how how was how did you enjoy your first NBL season? Oh, uh, I, I loved it. You know, yeah. I, um, you know, it was it was, a, it was a, uh, an opportunity to sort of show my skill set to, you know, to my teammates, to the league, and also to a potential, you know, NBA GM that was watching. Um, and um, the whole being in Melbourne, um, the different cultures, the different nationalities, uh, and again, it also was part of that part of that journey. Yeah, went to Boise. Yep. To Norway, to Australia, and when I by the time I got to Australia, it was getting easier. Yeah, well, that's what you want yeah, at the end of the it day. Was getting, it, it was, uh, you know, the the challenges, the barriers, the um, you, you know, uh, there was those things wasn't even a factor, um, and I was starting to mentally sort of plan my next couple of years and trying to work my way uh, to the league. So. Yeah. And then after that, you um, moved to West Side. Another, these names, the teams are stupid, by the way. Yeah. And then how many teams were there? Because I remember you saying me back in the day that it was way more competitive. So, so in Melbourne, you had, uh, you had Nanawani, which is basically East Side. Yep. Uh, Then you had West Side. You had North Melbourne. Yep. You had Geelong. Yep. You had Melbourne Tigers. Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, wow. This is in, this is in Mel in, in Victoria. So you have five teams there. So I went from, from Nottawani, mm-hmm. um, at the end of that season, our coach, he got, he got sacked. Um, yep. and then I was like, oh shit, what do I do now? The assistant coach of Nottawani, he ended up going to West side. Yep. And he asked the, the, the team over there to, to bring me over as an import. So I went to West side and, and had a season, I uh, had two seasons with them, which yeah. were which was fun because the assistant coach, his son played on the team as well, and they were they were my Australian family. Okay, good. I was gonna say they, they were the ones that you know whenever I, you know, wanted to come over their place to to uh, just to chill, hang out, have yeah, dinner, I could do that. So it was that was that was that was beautiful. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, so I was there for two years. Yep. And then uh, at the end of 91. Yep. Um, at the end of 91 and bar. Uh, no, let me go back. So I was there for two years. And then I left there and went to back to Nanawani, which at that time was the east side spec. East side spec. So now that's a side. Yes. Okay. So yep. The coach there was Brian Gorgian. Oh, wow. That was Brian. That was my first. He's been, he's been coaching for that long. Yes, oh that was my God. first, uh, you know, encounter or a coaching, being coached under Brian. 
Wow. So we had a good, we had a good first year. The second year, um, and this is Dean Utah was back with the team. Yeah. Because he was a he was a he ended up naturalized, so he's an Aussie. Yeah, 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 yeah. But we ended up getting to the grand final in '91. Yep. Losing to Perth. Uh, in, a, Perth. in a three-game series, Perth when they had Cal Brute, Tiny Pender, Ricky Grace, James Crawford, Mike Ellis, Andrew Vlahoff, they had a monster of a team. Mm-hmm. We had a good team too, but because you know that that culture, that winning culture, and everything that that Perth has, it it played a big part in them winning games. Yeah. So, we had to win game. We lost our first game to them. We won the second game, but the third game, they just got the best of us. Yeah. So in the 91, we thought, okay, we've gotten a taste for that championship. We're going to get it next year. Yeah. Okay. And then unfortunately, Dean Utah decided he didn't want to play with us anymore. Had enough. He was, he moved to Sydney. Yeah. And that's what it right? And that rocked us because we were going to keep the same team come back next year and win it. That was the mindset. Yeah. And we was like, oh, shit, what do we do? Yeah. Uh, and at that same time, we were actually in America on a tour. Oh, yeah. So they still did that a lot back in the day. Yeah, they still did that back then. So we yeah. were on a tour as a, as a team. Yeah. It was the same year because Brian was the head coach. His brother, Kevin, yep. was assistant coach and another guy named Ian Stacker. He was assistant coach. Mm-hmm. So we were we were in Dallas getting ready to play. I can't remember the name of the college or whatever. Uh, we were having a pregame meal. Mm. Uh, all of us in there eating, and we, there was a there was a TV in the room. And all of a sudden, we saw breaking news, and we were like, "Okay, shit, what's going to happen here?" <laughs> uh, it was Magic Johnson announcing that oh he had the virus. That's right. Not yet, Michael. Wow. Yeah. And wow. And we we were all we were shocked. We were shocked. Yeah. Wow. Uh, and the and the two that were shocked the most was Brian Gorgian and his brother Kevin. Mm-hmm. Because their dad ran the Magic Johnson camps in LA. Oh my so they god. Were, they were really close. They were so Brian and Kevin, you wow. can see they were just they were just destroyed. I mean, the rest wow. of us, we were stunned to hear the news happening to Magic Johnson, but it, it hit home for Kevin and Brian. I knew him. Yeah. Wow. Mm. So oh, wow, that's crazy. Yeah. So that was uh that's something I uh I will I'll never forget. And so I'd imagine. So when we got back to sit back to Melbourne, we had to get we had to get a replacement for Brian uh, for uh, Dean Utah. Yeah. So we ended up getting John Dorge who was planted uh Geelong Supercats. Yep. He's a seven-footer, so he replaced him. We thought, okay, great. We got another big. We're okay now. Mm-hmm. Um, and then um, um, that year, too, we also uh, we changed uh, we changed imports. Yep. Because the import we had at uh, the year before we won the, when we lost the championship, um, Brian decided he thought it's better to make a change. So he, yeah. brought, in, he brought in Milt Newton. Mm-hmm. Now, Milton Newton played with Danny Manning at Kansas. Oh, wow. A highly credentialed, high-character guy. Yeah. Really good, good, good guy. And even today, Milton Newton, mm-hmm. he's assistant general manager of Milwaukee Bucks. Oh, wow. 
Yeah, great right. guy. He even said to me back then, having spent the you know uh, a little while in in Australia and knowing what the league is all about, he already he had that vision back. He's like Bruce, man. One day I might come back here and be the general manager of the NBL. You know, just just out of conversation, yeah. we're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. We we all thinking, dude, you play basketball, man. I know that's where you want to go. You want to play. <laughs> But as it turned out, he he got in that position anyway. Funny so we works. picked we picked him up. Yep. Started the season. We were going we were going great. We were five and two. Oh wow, good stuff. We were really good. Unfortunately, what happened was with Newt, Newt had participated in a dunk contest in Adelaide preseason. Yeah, yeah. And from that, he uh, he injured his knee. Oh no. And never fully recovered. Uh, even though he was he was still playing and we were still we were five and two, yeah. But Brian felt that he hadn't recovered from his injury and it's been about four weeks, and Brian felt that he eventually is going to break down and wouldn't be able to last the season. So he he pulled the plug and decided, hey, we we, we need to we need to replace Milk because I uh, you know he I don't think he'd be able to hold up for the season and we're trying to win the championship. Yeah, we were we were surprised for two reasons. One, we were five and two, and two, Milk, real high character, great guy, and he was, you know, it was devastating for us not to have him with the team anymore because we all got along. We were yeah. we were we we were we called ourselves a pack that year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, so they end up um, letting him go and bringing in Rob Groves. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, you don't know Rob Rose, but he never heard of him. Rob Rose is one of the best players that's ever played in this country. Oh wow! Yes, uh, came in, he fit like a glove. Wow! He got Sick. came right in and found his his uh, his his spot within the team. You know, he was a baller. He played at a high intensity, both defensively, had plenty of offensive skills. He just fit right in, and when he got here. We just kept rolling. That season, we ended up being undefeated, regular season at home. Wow. Undefeated at home during the playoffs. Wow. And ended up beating the Melbourne Tigers in a three-game series in 1992. 92. There you go. That year, year, we played played North Melbourne in the semis and played Melbourne Tigers in the grand final. Wow. Yeah. And that was for us to win. For us, when we won in 92, that was the start of a three year championship uh, series of the Melbourne team. We won in 92. Yep. Tigers won in 93. North Melbourne won in 94 with Brett Brown. Yep. Yeah. Oh, wow. Mm. What was, um, what was that like winning, you know, after putting all that work in, winning that title, and then also being named the finals MVP. Uh, gratifying, man. Yeah. Yeah, gratifying. Because at that time, I sort of, in terms of trying to get to the NBA, I didn't think about that anymore. Because yeah. I, was, I was really enjoying basketball uh, with my team. I was mm-hmm. enjoying the country, the culture, um, the opportunities. And for all that to come together, um, and, and the hard work that I had put in leading up to that point, you know, with my journey, uh, it was, it was so, it was so, so gratifying, man. So, yeah. um, it was, it was, it was a beautiful, uh, it was a beautiful finish. Uh, what really topped it off 
I, I won. I, I was grand final MVP. Yeah, yeah, of course. But what topped it off was I was presented with a trophy by the by the commissioner who was the highest sports commissioner in the world. As That's in right. Dave, as in Dave Stern. Stern, I remember seeing the video. I do remember yeah. seeing that video. Yeah, that was yeah. awesome. That, that was because he his his thing was when he got up on the podium, he said, Bruce, come back. You have uh, you have put 32 in a deserving high place. What he meant by that was Magic Johnson was 32. He was. Yeah. So it was uh, it was uh, it was a uh, it was a cream on the cake for that particular year. Man. Yeah. And um firstly why why was david stern there and then secondly um did he did he be like bruce good game i think it's time you uh to come play in the nba what was that like did you have any talks at that point because you were i assume you would have been one of the top scorers in the league yeah. looking at stats yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so he was there because the nbl because there was an nba office oh yeah in melbourne it was an yep. nba office in melbourne so he was there to to obviously lift the, the profile and the brand of the NBA in Australia. Yeah. Uh, because it got back that, because that was during the years where basketball in Australia, it was huge. Yeah. Right. And it, and it rolled on the coattails of the Jordan era. Uh -huh. Everywhere you went back then, people was wearing Michael Jordan singlets. Oh, wow. Yes. Like especially so he 92. came out here and he came out here and the guy that, the guy that was, um, in charge of NBA Australia, really cool guy. He used to be, uh, he used to work for Nike in Portland. Yep. Um, he had the vision of, hey, let me bring Dave Stern out here to be part of the grand final celebration. Yeah. He had that vision. Yeah. And, and, you know, kill two birds with one stone. Come out here, help, you know, promote the NBA office here. Because the other thing back then too, they had what's called the jam session. Jam session. The NBA jam session. Yeah, 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 yeah. They had that in Melbourne and Sydney. So the NBA was really trying to lift the brand in Australia. This is pre-China. So China's now is a big yeah, yeah, yeah. NBA audience. Back then, it was Australia. Yeah. So, so yeah, so it worked out that way where he happened to be here. You know, uh, the plan was to present the, the, the trophy, MVP trophy to the to the uh, to the winner who who end up being me. Bill Shirley. Hey, that particular year, if I was a director, a movie director, I couldn't have written a better script than how it how it worked out. That's perfect. That's amazing. Yeah. And um, with that, what was it like being an NBL player like back then? Were you like, would you walk in the streets and you'd be like, oh, hey, Bruce, good yeah. game last night, stuff Huge. like that? Huge. Yeah. Especially in Melbourne, being a sporting capital. Uh, everywhere. Is, yeah. Yeah. Everywhere. Um, yeah. So much so to where I was all about once I got on the, once I was training, doing my weights, I was locked in. Once that was over with and I went home, it was time for me to switch off, recharge, mm -hmm. uh, and get ready for tomorrow. So um, I lived about 30 minutes outside of Melbourne. Yeah. Um, Somehow or another, the neighbors found out that I lived there. And so oh, yeah. I would get a lot of people coming, knocking on the door, asking for autographs. Yeah. Uh, and it was kind of like, a, you know, like, hey, I respect the fact that you guys recognize me and, and uh, want an autograph. 
but but he, when I'm here, this is my sanctuary. Yeah, exactly. I got I got to switch off from that. So I said to them, "You catch me down at the local shop down there when I'm you know shopping or getting some lunch. I sign an autograph all day long. Exactly. Here, I'm not going to do it here because I knew that if I if I'd assign one, the whole neighborhood would have known about it, and every few seconds I would have gotten a knock on the door, knock on the door, and I thought, no, I'm I'm not going to do that. Yeah. Um. And one of my neighbors who had that same issue was Wayne Carey. Um, <laughs> I don't know what Wayne, he played with the uh, uh, North Melbourne yep. NFL Kangaroos, yes. Yeah, yeah. Oh, wow. Right across the road. Oh, no. Yes. So I, I said to him, man, you got to tell him. Tell him no. <laughs> out and about, yes. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, it was, it was, uh, yeah, it was, Fair enough. it was, it was huge. Yeah, that's yeah. sick. And, um, and you know, it was it was fun. It was enjoyable. Uh, I respect the fact that hey, they recognized me for uh, for you know my success individually, uh, winning a championship. Um, yeah, the team. So it was it was enjoyable. That's cool. That's cool. Mm-hmm. Um, did you ever? I, I I think you played with. Did you play with Ben Simmons' dad? Did I you? played with Ben Simmons' dad for two games. Two games, and then did mm-hmm. you play with Warwickity? Josh Kitty's dad didn't play. He no. was Mel- he was he Melbourne he, Tigers. He was with Strictly Tigers. No, we were we That's were right, always. Right. And here's the other thing back then too, where I said to you it was the Southeast Melbourne Magic. Yeah. Melbourne Tigers, North Melbourne Giants, West Side Geelong Supercats. Yeah. It was a serious rivalry. Yeah. All these teams. Yeah. So when we so when we were on the court, we went at each other. Yeah. Right. When we were, when we were off the court, we didn't speak to one another. <laughs> that's how competitive it was that's crazy I can, tell you, I, I can tell you right now i am more i am closer to those guys now post our career yeah than back then whenever wow. we would see each other back then we would just kind of look and give a little nod and keep it moving strictly business because because we don't want to give anyone a psychological edge that hey i got you <laughs> next time we're on the court yeah i got you no we yeah. don't want to do that it was all about hey you know, having that that tough guy image. Did you I'm ever saying. have um? Did you ever have like a matchup that you remember? Like he always would just go out every time you played him. Uh, yes, guy named Mark Davis, LA Thirty Sixers. Yeah, uh, and so, and sometime now Andrew Lawhoff, mm-hmm. because both of them uh, and myself we played a very very physical style game. Yeah. So you know, straight away from the jump ball, it was like bang. Letting each other yeah, know, yeah, yeah. yeah, all right, this is this is how it's gonna be for the whole game. Yeah, and um, you know, you, you know, you didn't want to take a backward step. You would let him know that, hey, okay, all right, I'm coming at you too, and you know, it it, it was it was good, uh, and even to today, you know, we respect each other for 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 going at each other and and, and trying to throw each other off his game to try to win the championship. Yeah. Hmm. Exactly. Yeah. And then you moved down well after these great years in Melbourne and then you um moved down to Sydney with the um did you play for the Kings or the Razorbacks first? Yeah, I played the Kings first. Kings first. You moved down and played with the Kings, and that's where a lot of people will also know you from, you know, for the Kings. And what was that? You know, how did you end up in um in Sydney and then what was that experience like? Yeah, so um after after I uh in ninety two when I won a championship, I ended up signing a three year contract. A new contract with the uh, with the Magic, yeah. and at the end of that contract, that year we lost in the semi. We lost in the semis in that year, in the semis yep. the year before. 
Oh, no, um, that's horrible. Yeah, so we had two bad seasons, and, uh, you know, the, the players were starting to leave. That, that closeness, that pack environment was starting to fragment a little bit, and then Brian decided that, hey, you know, it's, it's time for me to make some changes, um, you know, go in a different direction. And also at that time, too, Tony Robinson, uh, which was a power forward. He was a young, up-and-coming kid at the time. Yeah. Um, Brian felt that he needed to, to bring him into that space, which I was taking. But, mm. And I was like, okay. All right. I mean, it was it was pretty hard because, again, we were family. Yeah. Uh, you, you know, I used to go to Brian's house, you know, regularly and, and hang out, you know, talk trash and whatnot, get along with, uh, you know, with his partner. Yeah. But it was a decision that had to be made based on what's best for the team. It was yeah. nothing, nothing personal, nothing against your skill, but it's time for a different direction. Mm-hmm. So when the word got out, um, Bob Turner, who was the general manager of the Kings at the time, yeah. and asked me, you know, can he, can he chat about uh, me coming to the Kings? Because at the same time, I was getting interest from Geelong Supercats. Yep. Castle Falcons and the Gold Coast Rollers. Yep. Um, so I was pretty surprised that I got that that call from from uh, Bob at City Kings because their import was Leon Trimingham mm-hmm. and a guy named Mario Donaldson, both mm-hmm. high flyers. Oh wow! Yeah, Leon Trimingham is one of the best darkers that's ever played this game. And be looking his highlights off this. Yeah, I said to him, "You you you got to you got two of the best imports in the league, uh, Bob. Why you why you uh?" Want to have a conversation with me? He's like, oh well, we gotta make some changes. I was like, oh, okay. And I thought to myself, okay, well, a, a change for me might be good as well. I mean, yeah. I, I, I had, you know, I had a couple of houses in Melbourne, and I thought, okay, let me just make, let me make a change. Okay, yeah, I'll, I'll go to the Kings. It was only for two years. Yeah. And I thought after those two years, I'll come back to Melbourne and play with one of the the, the teams in Melbourne. One times, yeah. Um, and so I thought a change would be good. So got this, got to the Kings in 95. Yep. Um, and bear in mind, I didn't know much about, didn't know much about the city. Yeah, uh, yeah. Didn't really, didn't really like the Kings because they were the team that got all the exposure around the league. Oh yeah. Uh, you know, they were like the Lakers who get yeah, all yeah. the exposure. Uh, mm-hmm. Although, and while us teams in Melbourne, we thought, Hey, you know, this Melbourne Sydney rival, Hey, we're the best team, not the city Kings. So there was that, there was that uh, that competitiveness there, that dislike there. So, yeah. got to Sydney. Um, you know, I I enjoyed the first year. We didn't we didn't get to the playoffs. I enjoyed it. Um, midway through um, my first year uh, was when Jonah was born. The following year, and yeah. So Jonah was born, yep. and I thought, hmm, okay, I'm at a crossroad here. Now. I got to think about what my next move is. Yeah, I got to go back to Melbourne. Mm-hmm. Because at the same time, the team Geelong that was interested in me, they folded. Yeah. That's right. They folded. So I thought, hmm, okay, there's some instability kind of creeping into the NBL. And the Sydney Kings was probably the most financially stable team in the league yeah. at that time. So I'm thinking I gotta I gotta make sure I put myself in a position where uh, contract wise I don't have any issues. So I thought, yeah. hmm, okay. And Jonah was born. Um, and then at the end of that season. They asked me, would I consider re-signing after next year? So I thought, mm, okay. So 
my plan of being there for two years was sort of thrown out the window because I had an opportunity to continue on with the Kings, yeah. the most financially stable team. So I knew my money would be an issue and I could yeah. keep building um, uh, and being in a position to look after my family. Mm-hmm. So, um, so I ended up uh, re-signing with the Kings and staying there for another, uh, you know, two years. I was there for, I was actually there for uh, four and a half seasons because it switched from winters to summer as it is now. Yeah, okay. Yeah, in 90, uh, 96, I think it was. Why did they do that? Uh, 90, 98. Well, they did that because at that time too, during the winter, they were competing with AFL. Yeah. And, and they thought if we switched to the summer, we would only be competing with cricket. Okay. What they didn't realize is, yeah, that's probably true. But in Sydney during the summer, you're competing with the outdoors. Sure. Because people like to get out and do things on the weekends. They don't yeah, like to yeah. be cooped up in the stadium <laughs> for three hours. And so yeah. they, didn't, they didn't factor that in. But they were thinking, hey, the, the, the AFL, the NRL, you know, they've taken a lot of our family opportunities away. So they end up uh, switching over in 90. Eight, I think it was. Not yeah, yeah. And then you're after that. Um, wait, did you move to the bench at that point, or was that next the year you won the six man of the year in ninety nine? Was that? So I was a I was a starter with the Kings. Yeah. Up until I I got injured and I did my hamstring, so I was out for four weeks. Yeah. While I was out, they brought in the, the an up and coming, very talented kid named Matt Nielsen. Yep. And so he came in and played that role extremely well, had a good, good season. And then I, uh, I kept coming off the bench for the rest of the rest of that season, Okay. which, which wasn't, a, which wasn't a problem. I, I got that. He was, a, he was a good kid. Um, and then that following year, which is, which a, uh, which was just a, a terrible year for us as a Kings, because we went through eight or nine imports that year. Oh, wow. We just we just couldn't get the import situation right. It, it affected our uh, our season. Um, yeah, yeah. It disrupted. We could never get into a flow. We could never get chemistry going. And I thought to myself, uh, this is going to drive me crazy. Um, and I knew there was another NBL team coming in the league, which was the Razorbacks, the following year. Yep. Um, my agent at the time, his uncle, was the general manager of the Razorbacks. Look at that. So he he connected that, and I went to him and said, "Hey man, I, I can't I can't do this another year. I can't I can't go back to the Kings because I still have one more year with the Kings." Yeah. Oh wow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, that particular year was when I had when was when my daughter Cairo was born. Yep. So we went down to Melbourne and had uh, had her born down in Melbourne, and during that time while I was down there, I made the decision of. Yeah, I think I need I need I think I need to move on from the Kings because I can't have another disrupted season like that because that messed with me mentally. Yeah, I would imagine. When I play, when I play, I'm all about trying to win a game to eventually win a championship. And the way things had gone that previous year, I didn't see that happening anytime soon. I just want to get out of there and put myself in a new place, fresh, start over and work for the championship. So um flew back to Mel, flew back to Sydney. Spoke to Mike, the owner, and said, hey, listen, uh, it's not working out for me. I'd I like to move on. Um, and because he respected 
how I went about my basketball professionally, um, both on and off the court. Um, he reluctantly said, Bruce, okay, I, I, I'll, I'll, I'll allow that. And yeah. so I left and went to the Razorbacks the next year, 98. 98, yep. 98. Um, great, great move for my career. Great move as a, uh, as another team with a great group of guys, good yeah. coach, good organization. And I'm thinking, okay, right, I'm at the tail end of my career. I'm going to enjoy this and get the most out of it as, as possible. First game that season was against the Sydney Kings. Oh, there we go. Look at that. Yes. And we end up winning. Perfect. So that just that just kicked off our our season on the right foot and made me even more happy with the decision I ended up making. Yeah. Yeah. And um was that was your longest stint with a team then be all right with the Razorbacks that you played there too, or was it two thousand? I played there I played there from I played five seasons. Yeah, to two thousand three. Mm-hmm. So what was that experience like playing? Wait, where did you play in Western Sydney? By so the way? first year, first year we we bounced between the Whitlam Center out of Liverpool. Liverpool, yep. Yep, and the State Sports Center. Uh, Liverpool was our home base. Yeah. Um, but we also played at the State Sports Center too to try to broaden our supporters base. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but the Whit- Whitlam Center, great atmosphere. Yeah. Uh, they they just you know they just came. And just rock the stadium. A lot of noise, a lot of trash. Talk to the uh, opposition. It was one of those places where you go in there as intimidated as opposition. And sometimes yeah. that could be anywhere. That could be an extra six to eight points, you know, th- during the course of the game. Yeah. And um, and so yeah, that was that's where we we started because that that year we had myself, Derek Rucker, uh, John really, Dwight Howard. Uh, a guy named Dave Hinton, uh, yep. a guy from Brisbane named Ben. Yep. Um, trying to think, Steve, uh, a guy named Steve Ryan from Cameltown, local yep. boy, yep. Clint Reed. We had a really good, we had a really good team. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so, yeah, it was a, it was a good start to a new chapter for me. Yeah. Yeah. And looking back from what going from Melbourne teams to going to the Kings to going, you're winning the title and obviously ending up in, at the Razorbacks, what was the biggest thing you learned from each team? And what's something you can, what's the lesson you learned? And then what's something with those lessons that you can tell, you know, a younger kid who might want to do something similar to you, what you did? Um, the, only, the thing that I would say is um, be prepared for disruptions in your journey. Yeah. And those those disruptions, a lot of time, is not a reflection. Uh, don't let those, those um, disruptions be a reflection of you being a professional and mm-hmm. you working hard. Yeah. Uh, you always want to, you always want to each and every day go out there and, and work on your game work on your craft, grind, because that's going to help you prepare for those disruptions. Yeah. It's going to help you bounce back from those disruptions. And, uh, and whilst they are, they are disruption from a basketball point of view, you're also going to have disruptions from, for, for in life. Yeah. You know, anybody that doesn't play sports, you still have disruptions. Mm-hmm. Okay. 
the 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 thing is is you yourself has got to realize how you can minimize the impact of, of those disruptions. And so for me, every time I went out court and trained, I went hard. Yeah. Every time I uh, played, I went hard. Every time I was in the uh, gym lifting weights, I went hard. Individuals, I went hard. Yeah. Um, and then I also made sure I, you know, got my rest. I wasn't one who would party every weekend. I wasn't, I wasn't a big drinker. So my life was about being a professional athlete and anything that would get in the way of that, I, that wasn't happening. I mean, I got, particularly in Melbourne, I got tons of opportunities to hang out. Yeah. But I had to push a lot of those back. Heck yeah. Okay. Because, and this is, this is not only on the weekend, this is during the week as well. Yeah. Because at 8.30 every morning, I had to be ready to play ready to practice yeah because if i because if i didn't one i would let myself down two my teammates down three brian gorgian for example he would not be happy 100 percent. So i was very disciplined in how i approach my professional career yeah yeah so that's great yeah and then um so you did a total of uh, se- uh was it 17 or 17, 18 years. So and 17, then, 17 seasons. 17 seasons. Mm-hmm. And then when looking back, like after um, looking back, like right now, and you say what the NBL is like now, what's something, you know, what makes you really happy? And what's something you wish, you know, they would they would have kept? I wish there'd be more teams. Yeah. I love, many... there, to be, I love for there to be, you know, another team in Sydney. Yeah, we, um, need, we do need that. Yeah, you know, a, a, a team, another team in, in uh, a team on the Gold Coast. Yeah, um, a team in a team in uh, Canberra, and, yeah. and I say that I say that for two reasons because one is that the the league uh, is a good product. Yeah, two, basketball is back. Uh, it's back growing again. Yeah, you might not know it from a national point of view. But because I'm in, I'm I'm connected to grassroots and still connected to the game. Yeah, I see basketball still uh, growing. Because when I played, it was Jordan era, and everybody was playing and loving it. It was growing, uh, growing so much so to where, because of that, we have all these facilities. Yeah. Okay. Now, you got the Steph Curry era, Kyrie, Katie, uh-huh. LeBron, James Harden. John Morant, Clay Thompson, you, you know, uh, the, those guys collectively are playing a part in, in, you know, keeping the basketball, everyone loving the basketball and the kids uh, passionate about it and wanting to be like them. Uh, back in the day for me, it was, well, my hero was Dr. J. Yeah. Okay. But from a global point of view, it was, it was Michael Jordan. Everybody spoke Michael Jordan. And, yeah. and so, um, but now, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's still just as popular in this new generation of ballplayers. Yeah, exactly. And, um, with that, um, what do you see? Um, oh God, I lost my train of thought. <laughs> um, yeah, I'll just move on to the next one. Um, okay. Once. When seeing how much the game's changed over the years, especially with players like, uh, as you said, Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, and you know, the, back when you played, I imagine in college, 
the three-point shot wasn't around no. at all, right? No. And then now seeing that, you know, there's thoughts of a four-point shot, which I hope doesn't happen. But yeah. how do you feel about, like, how much the game's changed through those aspects? Well, I think the game, I mean, I, I enjoy it. And I think the game has changed because of the, the, the player's build. It's, it's, a, it's a fast-paced athletic game these days. Yeah. Um, you know, somewhat entertaining, yes. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, and you got a lot of high-flying athletes that are yeah. playing the game now. Um, uh, the one thing that I would probably wish would improve um, it's decision making. So you know, when there's a when there's a when there's a three on two uh, transition, you don't pass to the wing for a three pointer. Yeah, you pass it to the to the to the guy on the left for the layup to go for the, the higher percentage shots. Yeah, as, a, as opposed to you, you know everything now is if there's an open look, where's the three? That's how they're yeah. looking at it. That's probably the one thing that I would be critical of. Of, uh, of the game these days is they too often looking for the three instead of the easier um, basket as in, you know, the mid range or even, you know, land it up. Yeah, no, 100%, 100%. Mm-hmm. And then after your career, you started coaching. You coached uh, Parramatta, Parramatta, right? Did you coach that team or my? No, no, no I... Um, Wrong team. So after I played, yeah. um, I looked after the Knox grammar basketball program my rivals my yep. rivals started like um, <laughs> yeah i was doing some coaching there yeah I was doing some coaching at waverly uh, yep. and i also had the opportunity to be an assistant coach of the illawar hawks for half yep. yeah uh-huh um and then um after all that uh then i decided to to, to sort of give back to the uh grassroots and that's where I started up, uh, you know. With show the hoops. shirt. Show the shirt. Yeah, the shirts. <laughs> um, that's where I started up my hoops to, you know, help this next generation of kids that are coming through, uh, you know, with my program based around skills and fundamentals. Yeah. Uh, and so that's 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 been really in, in, enjoyable um, because a lot of the kids that that I, that I work with have eventually moved on to playing rep basketball. Mm-hmm. Uh, and some of them now are playing state basketball, as in under 14s, under 16. Yeah. And even under 18s. And some of them also are playing college basketball, coming either through my program or me working with them one-on-one, mentoring them. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And um, with that, um, how did – I don't remember exactly this, but how did my hoops, you know, start – obviously, you were coaching at um, Alexandria where I met you. Yeah. At um, oh, Sports Factory? Basketball Factory. Basketball Factory. factory. Yeah. And then you moved on to my hoops. Yeah. Was, um, was that always the goal when your coaching was starting? It was like to start your own program, to teach, you know, these kids the fundamentals of the game? Yeah, I mean, that was that – was, yeah, I mean, the, the Basketball Factory was – yeah, it was something that, in actual fact, it, it was ahead of its time. Oh, yeah, way ahead of its time. Because that's pretty much what a, uh, AUSA is, right? Yeah. But yeah. that was that was ahead of time, and there was some plans of, you know, growing that at different locations. It's just that yeah. the owner of the precinct, um, he had a, he had a different vision, which I get that. Yeah, and so I thought, okay, well, um, 
we can't go any further with the basketball factory because you you want to go in a different direction and change the whole uh, uh, business plan of it. So okay, I'll I'll go elsewhere and 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 start up my hoops and continue to doing the same thing solely under my banner. Yeah, uh, and that's where I my first location was Randwick. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Uh huh. And um and so and and so to today, um I got Randwick. I got Sydney Olympic Park. I got Five Dive Leisure Center. I got Ride. I got Blacktown. I got mm. St. Ives. I got St. George. Oh wow! And uh, in turn four, um, I did say this. Yeah, in turn four, I would be uh, looking at opening up in Mossman. Yep. And Marubra. Oh, at yeah. um, Sydney Boys. No, that's no, it's. It's still under wraps. So, well, okay, okay. But this is in Maruba. It'd be yeah. a big one. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So that's that's <laughs> it from a from a my hoops point of view. Um, I, yeah, right. I do have I do have other projects that I'm working on as well. But in terms of grassroots juniors giving these kids yeah. an opportunity to improve their skills and have their own little journey based yeah. on you know how far they want to go. This is where my hoops is. Yeah. Because because my hoops is skill and development. So when they actually want to play, start playing basketball, or they want to try out for reps uh, by way of me identifying them and giving them a little uh, incentive, I direct them to the association. So when I started Randwick, uh, as you know, yeah, any kid that want to play, any kid that want to try the reps, I directed them to the Sydney Colors. So that's what I do with my locations. Uh, I'll push them and direct them toward the nearest association that they can join exactly exactly and that's what you want yeah, yeah i do remember i remember the, those trainings yeah um you always have a big emphasis on the mid-range shot when training it and i still remember to this day that um the amount of mid-range shots we would work at and i was looking scrolling through my phone looking at old videos and it was um yeah remember my friend uh max curry and yeah. we would we how we just it was just us shooting mid-ranges and you it was you in the background filming and saying travel sam travel Mm. travel so what's your big emphasis on the mid-range shot why do you think it's so important in basketball oh because it's 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 an opportunity to get some it's an opportunity to add another part of your game to where you you can you can be effective i mean yeah. the game is so spread it out you think about it you're so spread it out to where you have everyone on the perimeter guess where the space is and you obviously timing on mid-range is important yeah but if everyone's on the perimeter then that whole mid-range area there is empty for somebody to flash or for somebody to, to, to dive and get a little floater or, you know, a, a five-foot jumper mm-hmm. when the timing is right. Yeah. Uh, and even, uh, you, you know, you look at a, uh, a CP3. When he get an on-ball screen from DeAndre Jordan, he's mid-range. Oh, yeah, right over. He, he don't need to attack the basket because the big has dropped. Yeah. He has plenty of space. Yeah. So that whereas a lot of these guys, they come off those three, those uh, on-ball screens, automatically looking for the three instead of reading, then deciding. Yeah. Because, you, you, he, because like Steph Curry, Steph Curry, percentage-wise, he'd probably have a better percentage on shooting threes than mid-range because that's yeah. what he look at. That's what he's uh, used to. Doesn't but shoot me, that many. Yeah. You give me mid-range, you're in trouble. Oh, you see me at KGV on Sunday mornings. Mm-hmm. Those were the days. Yeah. Those were the days. Um, 
Yeah, so you would hate my. I don't even shoot mid ranges ever anymore. So you would hate my guts. I'm not surprised. <laughs> I just shoot three. I'm not surprised. Well. And are you are you happy with making one out of ten? Uh, so you know, sometimes I shoot better. I've had some crazy Aussie runs. Let's just say that. Um, but um, let's quickly go. Um, I actually let's talk about a couple. You know, a couple people. So one person that um I were that I remember you know working out with a lot was um with Bailey, Bailey Chambers. And yeah. now he's playing at, oh God, he was at Hillcrest and now he's at Rancho, uh, Christian. Rancho Christian where the Mobley brothers went. And yeah. he's, he's, well, he's came massive and obviously your big part of his um, development. What yeah. was, what was the, what was the process? What's the process with other kids who, you know, want to get to America and get to like a level like Bailey's at or mm-hmm. like, um, example Jonah went to or other athletes that you've trained uh a few things um willing to work hard yeah okay uh willing to uh and and have that vision what I mean by vision is the the vision of their journey yeah uh and the skills Mm -hmm. yeah those for me those are key um and whilst they have that vision. Whoever's training them need to have that same vision. 100%. 100%. Okay. And don't just train them to think that, okay, yep, yeah, well, I'm training you just for today. No, you're training them for, for the player that they're going to develop into. Yeah. Yes. And so, um, and it's, it's, it's within that player's skill set, which then uh, transfer over to, the style of the game now. Yeah. Yeah, a la a Kai Soto. If I worked with Kai Soto, he'd be pick, pop, and dive. Oh, I'd love to say that. That would have been cool. Because be, for, for yeah. me, he, 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 he'd he have to be along the lines of uh, uh, Pazingas. Yeah. Pazingas is not going to be posting up every time you get an opportunity. He's Pazingas picking post- and popping, and he's diving. He's so bad. How do you feel about it? That's, that's really good that you brought that up. How do you feel about Because his game is... I was watching some of those games at the Wizards last year. All he does is just stand at three-point line. Well, it's, it, it, it's a tough one, too, because they have to stand out there because of to give uh, Luka Doncic space. Yeah. Because he's got the ball in his hand so much to create opportunity for himself and then kick it to whoever is open from their man helping out on him. So it's a... It's a tough one, and it can yeah. it can stifle it can stifle your game. Yeah, mm. yeah. And I, and I really think it affected Pazingas because he he need the ball in his hand. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. got a, a couple NBA questions I want to hear your thoughts on. So obviously, um, I don't know, but did you see that Go Go Bear got traded today? Did you see that yeah. firstly? Yeah. And then, how do you feel about the whole Kevin Durant and uh, Kyrie Irving situation happening right now? That was always going to be. Either a, uh, either a, a situation where it was going to work or it was going to fall apart. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, because yeah. there were so many factors in that. One, mm-hmm. Kyrie situation. Two, James Harden, you know, coming in, kind of injured, never really in shape. Um, I never worried about KD. KD's a baller. Oh, he's best scorer he's in the baller. game right now. And that, that's all he want to do. He wanna, all he want to do is ball. And he's probably he probably went there thinking, 
Exactly that. All I want to do is play basketball. I don't want to be having to deal with Kyrie. I don't want to be having to deal with James Harden. I don't want to be having to deal with everybody talking about Steve Nash. You you know, it's his first year coaching. You know, I just want to ball. Exactly. So with James leaving, Kyrie uh, re-upped on his his offer. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's only for one year. I think he's going to get traded to the Lakers. I don't know how they're going to figure it out, but I... so, so for him to get him to take his one year option, Katie is probably thinking, "Well, I got four of mine. If you're not here, mm-hmm. I'm left here on here on my own." With all due respect to the other guy, I'm yeah, not the championship. Yeah, I'm starting over again. Right now in my career, I don't want to be starting over. Exactly. I want exactly. to put myself in another position to make the playoffs to possibly win a championship. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, and at the end of the day, what players do, players look out for themselves. Yeah, absolutely. It's just like the teams look out for themselves. Yeah. That's the way the game is these days. They have to, and then he, um, at least, you know, at least didn't get as bad as like a Ben Simmons situation or something like that. That's so sad to say that, like, you know, especially being an Australian boy, but like how he got held out and really, I really want to know like the full picture and would love to hear the full story. And, that would never come out, but like that whole situation just to get to Brooklyn. Yeah, and he, I think I think once once Ben get back on the court, once he get back on the court, we'll see we'll see the Ben that that that's that you know became an All Star, became yeah. a uh, you know on the defensive team. And now uh, he's gone, and both those guys are probably not even going to be there. Well, Kyrie Irving realistically will probably he won't get a trade. Nobody wants him apart from Lakers. But you just listen. You, know, you just the way they, the way these uh, teams are going, you just never know. I yeah. Mean, no one, no one, no one thought Rudy Rudy uh, Gobert could be traded, but anyone is tradable unless you have no trade contract. Yeah, that well, Minis- that Minnesota team's gonna be tough. I don't know, but Gobert and Towns playing in the playing as your two bigs. No, well, Towns Towns he he can shoot though. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now they got a uh, they got a shot blocker. A team Edwards as well. Mm-hmm. And then still, who's yeah, that point? So, yeah, so that'd be their big three. Yeah, it's good team. Russell, yeah, they got a good team, yeah. really good team. Yeah, Angel, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So I have these um, I have these ten questions. They're like general questions, and then I ask everybody about them. And I just want to hear your thoughts. Okay. Uh, so the first one is, um, tell us about you know social media. Like, how do you feel about social media? And then um, your most recent. What was the most recent thing you put up for my hoops, for example? Like, what was that about? Uh, so social media can be helpful in in promoting yourself, your brand, your business. Yeah. Um, but I'm not one who get caught up in social media to be validated or or uh, you know react off people's opinion. Yeah. Um, everyone have their own opinion. It's not going to affect me unless you say something directly personal to me. Yeah, hundred percent. And then that's 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 an issue. Um, my most recent post um, uh, on my hoops is I'm involved with uh, one of the globe trotters having a basketball clinic. I did say that at one of my locations. Oh wow, that's awesome! So that's that's uh, that's the end of this month, um, and so the actual um, tickets for the clinic went live yesterday. Hence why I posted. Um, uh, made the post today. Um, yeah. So I'll, I'll be doing that over the next couple of weeks. Yep. Uh, I'll be going and watching and meeting, uh, meeting uh, 
the guys tomorrow at the Globetrotters um, game. Oh, wow. That's tomorrow. Oh. How did that come up? How did you get the uh, Globetrotters? Um, I, had, I had the guy that's helping him promote it reach out to me to look after the Sydney leg of, of it. So oh, he's wow. In Queensland, he's going to be in Melbourne and Sydney. So he asked me to to be the underground person here yep. uh, to help promote it. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. Good here. Mm-hmm. And then uh, the next one is, who's your biggest inspiration? My biggest inspiration is my kids. The kids? Yeah. I, I'm just uh, going to get on my charge. I'll be back. Yeah, that's okay. They are the ones who, uh, you know, uh, will give me my, my daily dose of, dose of uh, you know, strength. Sorry. That's okay. Um, two kids. Was yeah. that? And what about like... Um, so you said you mentioned Dr. J was like your like your favorite yeah, he player. Was my, he was my hero growing up, up, who I uh, who I inspired to be like inspired uh, as a, as a as a player. Yep, yep, yeah, Dr. J. And yes. fortunately, fortunately, I've met him a few oh, times. Did you? That's yeah. awesome. Mm-hmm. That's so cool. It's crazy he can still dunk, and he's like, he must be seven. Is he seventy? He'd be close to seventy. Yeah, he'd be, he'd be in the seventies. Yeah, seventies. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Next one. Do you have any like crazy like party stories or anything that happened? Throughout uh, yeah, yeah, I do, but they yeah. will not be public. Yeah, that's fine. That's fine. That's fine. Yeah. Moving, moving on. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. Apart from basketball, what, what's your uh, what's your favorite activity to, to do? Or like I coaching like to, as well? I like to uh, I like to champ pinball. Do you? Yeah. Really? Mm-hmm. I yeah, never do I, that. I like that. Um, mm-hmm. And. And during the summer, if I get a chance, I like to get out on a boat and fish and enjoy yeah. just that that uh, the serenity of being out in the water, you know, hearing very little other than the splashes by yeah. the, from, from the fish. Yeah, cruisy, cruisy. Um, and next one is, what's your favorite place you ever traveled to? Um, Egypt. Egypt? Yeah, I've been to, I've been to Egypt. Uh, that was that was beautiful. It was yeah. Uh, yeah, being out on the pyramids. Yeah, it, wow. was, it was special. That's yeah. so cool. Mm. Um, next one. What are your goals? So let's say, what are your next goal? What are your goals for the next year or two? Let's do some my hoops goals and then just goals for yourself. Uh, yeah, my hoops goals is just to continue to uh, to grow it. Um, I do have another. Uh, I do have another project that I'm working on. I I, I don't want to speak too much about yeah. it because I got a few guys that are. That's fine. Uh, behind the scenes working on it, but it is, it is basketball related. Yep, uh, yep. And it's basketball of a, of a difference here in, uh, in Sydney. I'm ready to say it. I'm ready to say it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and then where do you see, let's, where do you see uh, my hoops in five years? Where do you see yourself in five years? And even uh, my hoops in five years will be taken over. will be truly and surely taken over by someone else. Because yep. it'll be, It'll be on the market soon uh, because I oh, want to yeah. move on to my next my the next new project. project. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so where do you see that project in five years? As well? uh, that project in five years will be up and running smoothly, and yep. I'll be uh, I'll be uh, uh, you know an owner of it, but not hands on of it, and be mm-hmm. semi retired. Yep, yeah. living the life. Mm-hmm. Um. And uh, you've already asked the next question was what is your what are you working on now, which you've already mentioned this project. And um, 
Ben, I have this thing called this week's W's and L's. So that's like a win. And that's a win so you've had this week. So it's something like a, a win or something you've had this week. And then what's a loss that you bounce back on? Or something like that? Uh, a win this week was being able to uh, partner with, um, uh, with the guy who uh, was running the clinic, yep. the, uh, the Globetrotter Clinic. Um, a loss this week. Mm. Uh, the only I, I would say this terrible weather that's about to hit by the oh my. next 24 hours. Oh, it's horrible. Yeah. Uh-huh. This, this is the only, te- only thing I participate in. My win this week, oh, God. Uh, probably doing this podcast. I've want want, been wanting to do this for a bit. And then the loss was another bloody injury. Another bloody injury. Yeah, okay. Okay. And mm-hmm. then... Um, Couple more questions. Um, so, do you have any, what's your uh, NBA hot take for this upcoming season? For, for what now? The upcoming season. So, like, what's a what's a take? Give me something. Give me um something not expected. So, give me no, a, give me something wild. Do, you know what? The yeah. way the league is going right now, uh, expect the unexpected. Good call. Because so so much can so much can and will change in the next couple of days. Yeah, no, you're right. Uh, uh, you know, I, I wouldn't be able to truly answer that question until probably the end of this month when teams is kind of settled. Uh, uh, you know, uh, eighty to eighty-five percent of of uh, of their teams. Yeah. Final segment is um. So it's called the guest to guess, and what that is is I get a question from the last person. Who was on to ask you, and then you think of a question for the next person. So, um, the question from last week's guest was, "What's something you truly uh, you're you're truly grateful for, and you've achieved?" Um, I'm truly grateful to have had a uh, a career um, that is something that I I loved and I was passionate about, um, and that I won a, a championship. Uh, playing, um, and I'm grateful for the fact that this opportunity has helped me grow as a man. Yeah, mm. that's great. That's great. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, do you have a question? Question for next week's guest can be literally anything. Um, yeah. Okay. Who um, Who is a person that inspires your next guest? to achieve their goal and what that goal is. Good question. Good question. Yeah. I like it. I like it. Mm. That's pretty much it. Um, do you want to quickly, um, well, you've already mentioned the My Hoop stuff, so you're going to quickly um, you can go into that and um, shout out your social media and stuff and where they can find you. Uh, social media is My Hoops, um, My Hoops B-Ball Oz. Um, yeah, you, you, you can just Google my hoops and it come up. Uh, have a look at, uh, you know, our programs here in Sydney, um, upcoming, uh, upcoming events, upcoming uh, projects. Um, there's, there's an email on there to reach out to uh, myself uh, for uh, coaching opportunities as a team. Individually, I got coaches that will, will help. Um, players, you know, work on their skill set. So mm-hmm. um, it's it's there for for kids that want to uh, continue to improve their basketball, working toward that next level. Yeah, great, great. Well, yeah. um, that's about it. So this is um, episode twenty three of the Real Play Podcast with Bruce Bolden. Well. 
of course, great number. With uh, Bruce Bolden, um, thank you so much for coming on. You're welcome, man. Anytime, man. And uh, yeah, keep, keep doing good work on this pod. Of course, of course, of course. So. Yeah.